best friend. She a real bad bitch, got her own money. She be twerking. I, I don't know the lyrics to that song, but that shit. No, no, there was another song stuck in my head too. Just that fucking um. Uh, Arigato, yank, itching, sad, yank, agirato. Fuck, that shit's gonna be stuck in my head for hours now. It was stuck in my head for hours before. Now it's stuck in my head for hours again. What up? What up? Welcome back, my gun. Uh, I think we're on to episode five now of my podcast. Yeah, we're up to, it should be episode five of the Light Skin Podcast. I hope everybody's doing well. I think this, this is episode five. This should be episode five. I would assume it's episode five. I don't know. Yeah, it, I think it is anyway. So how's everybody doing today? It is a lovely Friday here in uh, Tokyo. So TGIF for those in Tokyo and for those in New York, TGIF because New York should be coming up about right now. I think it's about what? It's 527 here. And in New York, it's, it should be about 3.27 a.m. So good morning and happy Friday. Get through this shit, yo. Get through this shit. But how's everybody How's everybody doing? How everybody's doing good? I'm, I'm doing good. As you can see, I'm not crazy, energetic, and stuttering over my words because I'm not hopped on seven different type of caffeines right now. It's just two for the most part. So, you know, I'm doing pretty good, actually. Uh, you know, a little thirsty. Probably should get something to drink. But, you know, I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. Okay, you know, I'm your host, Michael. You can call me Mikey, I guess. That's what my grandmother calls me. I hate that name, to be honest. I hate being called Mikey most of the damn time. It's like, it's just hate. I don't know what it is, but it sounds like the most condescending fucking name in the world. Like, I feel like people just sit there and go, Mikey. And it's like, Mikey. And I'm like, Mikey. It's like, this, like, I feel like the name has, it's like a double entendre. It's like a double-edged sword. Because on one end, like, Mike, Mikey sounds like the only like condescending. Oh my God, he's so cute. Look at little Mikey. Look at little Mikey with his tiny little dick out. He's such a cute little baby. Like not that, but at the same time, it's like if you get your ass kicked by somebody named Mikey and everybody forwards him as Mikey, it's like, well, you just got your ass kicked by somebody who's called Mikey. Like, you know, tiny little dick Mikey. So it's like, cause then look at it in movies. You don't see them. Like the, the Italian mouse dudes, they, they have it was like, like, They'd be like, yo, Mike, yo, Mike, let me talk to you real quick, Mike. They don't be like, yo, Mikey. Like, that sounds weird. It's like, yo, Mikey, let me talk to you. Let me come over here. Yo, Mikey's gonna, he's gonna shove his foot up your ass. He's gonna turn it sideways and he's gonna shine it. He's gonna shine it. Like that. So, I don't know. That's just that. And so, you know, um, again, episode five is Friday here. It's about almost 530. Uh, you know, waiting for some stuff to download and shit like that and just chilling at home. Uh, I think... It's day 237 of being quarantined. Out the I'm joking. It's 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 almost like day 10. Well, I got Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday left of being quarantined at home after returning back from New York. So it's not so bad. Uh, they're still stalking me. They're watching my every move. They're just like sending me messages and all the shit like that, making sure that I'm not breaking quarantine because they'll look for any reason to kick me out of this country. Uh, that's how they roll. Okay. But, you know, that's just... um. That's just how it is. So, you know, you got to survive. You got you to do the shit you got to do. And so I, I didn't really have a topic to tell you to talk about it, uh, about anything, really. Um, I always got opinions on shit. But today, you know, I'm just chilling. I'm just relaxing. And that's how I just, like, have a conversation with people, like, last time. Because I realized, you know, we, we, I realized that, like, I, I'm very political with a lot of things. And I'll call out everybody on everything. But I also realized that, like, there are a lot of people who, who are lost in their you know, in their way of life, lost in the world uh, before COVID and after COVID. And you got, and I, and, you know, I started to realize this um, even more recently with like, you know, online personnels like Jordan Peterson or Seth, uh, not, um, what's his name? Rogan. I forgot his name. The other guy does that podcast. Um, 
Rogan or like you got people like Ben Shapiro and, and Candace Owen who have like amassed these massive followers. And I begin uh, besides Peterson, because Peterson, you know, um, sometimes he, uh, he makes some points that I can see the logic in them. I can agree with them. Other times he he doesn't make that much sense because he's still a, a very conservative person. I mean, like um, a lot of people hate him for his point of views on many things. Like they think that he's sexist, misogynistic. They think that he's anti-woman. And, you know, Peterson has stated many times, and I feel bad for the man sometimes, that he's not any of those things. Like he goes, you know, for his point of view, well, how he personally sees the world is X, Y, Z. But, you know, he said it plenty of times. He believes that people should have equal rights and have, um, you know, equal equal everything, equal rights, equal abilities to work, equal pay. That's what he believes. But he also points out the fallacies and some of the ideas that people throw out there and stuff like that. So again, like, you know, and I was sitting there thinking like I was I was wondering why, you know, these people have amassed such a large following. I mean, even Sean King, he's very political. I, I follow him all the time. He gives me all the news information I need. You know, there's a point where people are like, he's using these things to just make money and stuff like that. And to be honest, he, he's not because no offense. If he ever if he ever comes back and listens to this shit, I'm I'm pretty much sure Sean King Sean King was like broke ninety nine percent of the fucking time throughout everything he's doing, and I'm pretty sure he does not make that much money as much like everyone likes to make it out. Like he's making bajillions, like he's fucking um, like he's some fucking um Rupert Murdoch or something like that. But he's he's not. He's just he does what he can with the money that he has, and he makes it work, you know. And he does great things. Like he has like 302 million followers on Twitter and Instagram. And he promotes a lot of things. You know, he's not, and he's been shown to like he's not isolated to only black uh, you know, injustices. He's 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 moves around, he's very up, up among all the fucking spectrum and shit like that. And so, you know, I, I like him and I admire him for that because that's what he does. You know, he jumps from one thing from to another thing to another thing. So like, you know, like uh, if I look at it this way, like, you know, recently he posted a picture of this uh, white guy who pushed off this who pushed over this Asian lady in um in Queens recently, right? And that was like an anti-Asian hate crime, which, you know, we spoke on this before. What's an anti-Asian hate crime and what's the difference between, you know, this anti-Asian and that anti-Asian? Right or you know just a regular crime, and so he posted that. He also posted videos where like black, uh, where like Asian kids or or white kids are shot and gunned down by the police. So he's very consistent with what he posts, and I found it very interesting. You know that a lot of people just come at him and they attack him for, you know him doing something that he's passionate about and something that he loves. And the same thing with Jordan Peterson and even Candace Owens. Like, I don't like her. She says some hella wild shit. But I've noticed that Candace, Candace Owens, you know, she has a master follower. She's completely far right leaning. Um, outside of the context, like, if you don't know who she is or what she's saying, as long as she doesn't say, like, if she doesn't say black people and you listen to it without her referring to black people, and her, the stuff that she's saying actually makes some logical sense. But when you add the context to it, it becomes all hella wild and just just something I can't believe. Like, Candace always is this far right leading um, black woman who believes basically that black people are the the suffrage of their own, like, they're, they're the cause of their own demise. Everything that happened to them is basically well-deserved and that everything that's happened to us now is completely well-deserved. And, you know, she's like Kanye West when they say certain things like, you know, because I, I I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, but they say certain shit that's just fucking stupid. But like Kenneth Owen says, you know, oh, we can't be victims. And it's like and when she says it like that, you know, you can't be victims. It's like, OK, cool. I can agree. We can't all like be victims. But she goes, but black people have stolen and killed and murdered and la, 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 la. And I'm like, OK, you lost me there. You, 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 you ignore a lot of factual things. But a lot of people listen to her, especially white people. And it makes me think. You know, Jordan Peterson, Sean King, Kenneth Owens, what is the one thing they all have in common, right? 
um, the thing that they have in common is that they kind of are guiding people in a way, leading people in a way. And, you know, especially like I can use definitely use Jordan Peterson and Sean King as two, two examples. They're basically like almost the same entity who wants justice and equality for all. But at the same time, you know, Sean King is for uh, progressive reform of things. And Jordan Peterson is more of a middle between the Republican and Democrat, like, hey, this might work, this won't work. But, you know, there's a lot of people who listen to them because they need that guidance. And, you know, it, like I said, it's come to my attention in recent days that there's just like a lot of people who don't really know what to do with themselves and where that guidance comes from. And, and you know, and I, I understand exactly how everybody feels. And that's, I guess that would be today's topic, just talking on, just being real with you guys and just talking on something that I think that we all, you know, need to hear sometime and then stuff about it and and, and it's, it's going to come back to to one important aspect or something right and i want to start with you know the big key thing that a lot of people always want to focus on and that's money now i know that some of you need money i know that some of you don't need money i know everybody's on their grind trying to move forward in life and trying to do these things and everybody's working hard and you know in the recent days especially like as of last year right and especially since i moved to japan kind of right is that i've gotten into a, a different mindset than what i had in new york city so now for again for those who don't know me very well i'm from the south bronx you know um i i say, I say it as i grew up in a single parent household even though for about 13 years of my life it wasn't a single parent household it's just you know if if you if you've been around in my life, you know the situation between my mother and my father, and you know a lot of things that we went through, you know, and and you know my my father basically ticked off all the 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 check boxes of a stereotypical um like you know stereotype of a black man, you know he, he checked them all off. Like if you he basically the only thing he didn't do was leave and 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 not come back and you know, leave and never come back. I think went out for milk, like you know. He did leave eventually at one point when I was thinking I was like 13, but he, you know, he was still around. He just, he decided to have a whole new family and a whole new life. And that's something that, you know, that's just my life there. And so, and then there's my mom and my mom, you know, she raised us kind of for the most part. It had help with both my grandmothers um, and stuff like that. And like a lot of family members who came in helped because, you know, my mom was very young when she had us. And so she needed that help. And it was just a combination of like friends, parents, like one of my closest friends, his parents would like help out. And like when we didn't have food and stuff like that, which you don't know, my family was like, we we were the impediment of poor. Okay. And I, I, you know, I love my mom to death, but she likes to sit there and kind of over, gloss over these things because, you know, it's, it's a part of her life that she doesn't want to go back to and face, but we were poor. I mean, let me tell you something, son. We were, we were dirt poor. Okay. And I am not ashamed to talk about this nowadays. There was a lot of people where I went to high school with, and it was like my friends and, you know, they always thought like, oh, Michael, you have, you have so many things. You have all these things and stuff like that, which in a sense we kind of did. Right. But it was more because like, you know, we got lucky in some, in some aspects, like um, there were more gifts given to us by outside family members. So we got lucky in those aspects, but they didn't like a lot of my friends didn't know my upbringing. And like there are people who grew up with me my entire life and it'll only be about three, four or five of them who actually know what I went through as like a young, like a, like a child until a young man, well into college, they know these things. And a lot of people didn't know this. Like, you know, what I mean by my family is my family was poor. I mean, like, I remember times when like we would take the MTA train overnight 
to just leave from the apartment. And there'll, there'll be many reasons for it, you know. Um, you know, shit between my mom and dad, there was no power, we had no food. And so we would take the train at like 2 a.m. in the morning. We would fall asleep on like the two and five train. I remember the route. You know, like, you know, it's very it's very dawn in my head because like it was legitimately that's what we do. We sleep on a train. So it'd be like we take the train to like 59th Street in Lexington and we would go upstairs to the N- the NQR train, take that down to 30th. And so when I was a kid, that felt like a two, three hour train ride. Because it was overnight. It was like 2 a.m. So we would fall asleep and stuff like that. And I remember it too. You know, and just that, just those type of things to go for some food or go for some warmth or to just get around some electricity and stuff like that. You know, these this this is my general childhood, and that was well into my adult years. Because in my adult years, like up until about twenty six, twenty seven, again, I was broke. It didn't seem like it on the surface, and a lot of people will sit there and go, you know, oh, you seem like you were really happy and stuff like that. It's like yeah, because I've learned to live with my. I've learned to live with myself, basically, in a way, because I was stuck in this mindset of the grind. Everyone knows the grind. But, you know, I didn't have money, you know, and at the time there were like a lot of people who would who would give me stuff like, you know, pay for things for me, buy me things, buy me like laptops, buy me clothes, buy me all these things that I would need because like, you know, they knew that I was struggling and they cared for me. And like, you know, for me, it's like I really appreciate it to this day um, how they came through for me and stuff like that. But like, you know, they they had the idea. Like I said, there's only about four or five people who had this idea or who actually knew what I was going through. And they were helping me and they saw like, you know, I was on the grind. It was like I remember like, you know, being in my first year of college and I would travel all the way out to NYCCT for classes. And like, you know, um, I couldn't afford any of my books, anything like that. So like, you know, at the time, um, you know, like at the time it was a combination of like my girlfriend who was like getting me all like got me a laptop and stuff like that for school and then using the student loans to buy all these things like that. And, you know, again, I had to pay all that back, you know, as time went on, because, you know, I can't just people just can't give me things like that. But, you know, at the time, that's how I got through my first two years of college. And then when I went to um, another college, you know, um, I had to like borrow money from my aunts and my uncles at that time and shit like that. And so. You know, there was a lot of things that I had to go through, you know, at those times in those situations. And even like at those times, I had friends who like, you know, that had to come through for me and give me food and stuff like that. Or had to come through and and, and like, um, you know, they would help me out and stuff like that. But they they would watch me and they would watch what I was doing because like, you know, because um, they would see that I would, you know, I would go work on like my resume or I'll look for a job or I'll apply for this or I'll apply for that. I'll do odd jobs. I remember working at like a, like, you know, at a re at a, like a mom and pop Korean shop since I was like 12, 13, well into college, because, um, even though they only pay me like $5 an hour, it was a way to help my mom. And it was a way to put money into my pocket when we didn't have it. And it wasn't a lot. Cause I only worked there like two or three days a week. And then I worked at his brother's shop for two, three days a week on Burnside. And it was on prospect. Um, you know, Prospect uh, Park, at, oh, Prospect Park, wow, um, Prospect Avenue in the Bronx, right? And I'm just like, shit, okay, you know, I'm going to keep doing its grind. I'm going to go back and forth. So, you know, um, I wasn't really present that much in the universe. I was there because I'm a loud motherfucker. Everybody knows I'm a loud motherfucker. Like, you know, if you hang out with me, you're finna to see how loud I get when I get comfortable. But, you know, I was on that grind. I was studying. I was researching. I was reading. I was, I was learning every fucking thing that I could learn under the sun. To, to make my life better. That's what I was doing. I tried really hard in that aspect. Hey, Siri, light on. And I tried really, really hard 
in that aspect, you know. Oh, this bitch didn't hear fucking word I said. Fuck you. Fuck you. Forget it. I'll do, I'll do it my damn self. I'm trying to get Siri to turn the light on because I just noticed the background's like really fucking dark. And Kirby's hella creepy right there. Like, I'm looking back to him like, is that, what the fuck is Kirby doing? Like, okay. 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 Anyway, I guess it's because only people on Instagram will see this. And so, you know, they were even leaving that like in high school. In high school, um, you know, uh, my girlfriend in high school, like, she she thought that my family was well off, but there were times where like I had to keep things away from her. Like I said, because like I didn't want her to know how poor my family was or the things that we didn't have. And like, don't get me wrong, my mom did really good for the situation that she was put into. She did fantastic for the situation that she's put into. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and turn away from the realities of my life just because some of my family members are ashamed of it. I face everything the fuck head on. And I've done that since day one. I'm, I do that shit now too. I face it the fuck head on. You know, I focus on the solution, not the problem. And that's what I do. And so, you know, I went through university and college and, you know, um, I didn't have money and I got my first job at Apple. And that was pretty much the start of when I started to try to pay off my debt. Cause I had a lot of debt. Um, I had a lot. There was like, you know, credit cards and student loans and back payments to other people that I had to pay back for helping me out and shit like that. And so it was a lot of debt, right? And some debt wasn't my own. Like it was debt that I had before I even hit 18, which is really, that's a whole nother story for a whole nother time, right? And so I just started the process of paying it off and I would just funnel money into it, funnel money into it, funnel money into it. And I just kept coming up with these ideas. Like, you know, I got to be on my grind. I got to try really fucking hard. So I need to pick up a new talent. Let's pick up a camera and become a photographer. Let's pick up a guitar and a piano and become a musician. Let's learn how to program in different languages. Let's learn how to do this. Let's learn how to do that. Oh, let's go into film and learn how to do like post-production editing and like start editing films and start doing freelance things. And a lot of these things, you know, um, they, they started to help me out. You know, I, I've worked on independent films already. I've worked on independent and, and feature link films as like a PA, a PM, an editor, production editor. I've, I've done YouTube things. I worked for small YouTube studios, more gaming studios before. Um, which we call it like I've I've helped out with with headshots. I've helped out with modeling shots. I've I've edited photos. I helped out with fashion shots that I got paid for. Um, you know, I went off and I did programming things. I made indie games and made a few bucks off of those. I would go online and like go to GitHub and people would pay you like five or ten dollars to like fix their programs, stuff like that. And this is what I was doing. I kept like, okay, I need to make more money. So I jumped on this grind and I kept grinding and grinding and grinding. And I did that. I did that for a long, long time. Let me tell you, I did that for a long time. I think the first time I made my resume was when I was 16. And if I submitted for a job and that resume didn't give me a job within a month, I redesigned my entire resume. On my computer, I'm not even joking. I'm, I have like three to 400 different resumes over the last like 10 to 12 years that I created and designed over and over again to get to the perfect resume that caught everybody's eyes. I learned design lingo and design architecture. I learned color science. I learned like templating and all the stuff like that. Like I just, I made so many resumes that I can't even put my finger on it. And I tried so many different things. I made graphic resumes. I made a photo resume. I did a simple resume. I did a CV template. I did like colorful resumes. If anyone's seen my resume recently, it's, it's pretty colorful, but if you notice it, it's designed in a way to where it gives you all the information quickly, but allows you to read it quickly. That's from years and years of reading iterations and read and design, but I did that a lot. And when I went back and I looked, you know, recently, and I looked at all the jobs that I applied for, 
since I was 16. And these are jobs that I applied for and spoke to the person and got rejected. Now, I'm not going to count the jobs I applied for and didn't get any answers. I'm only counting the jobs that I applied for, got a call and got rejected. And so the total number between when I was uh, 17, when I started to apply for work, right, all the way to about 20, 27-ish, 28-ish, according to my computer, is... Let's see. I keep all the emails. Whenever I send out an email, right, I made a rejection folder back then, right? And in the rejection folder is about 9,328. So I have 9,328 rejection emails. I mean, these are jobs that I applied for and I got rejected for. Now, that's a lot, okay? I don't know if anyone out there has ever applied to that many jobs. And my, I stay within my field. So my, my, my degree is a bachelor's in computer science, right? I am going to continue my master's. I'm going to continue my PhD, which I'm working on now until I get my PhD in physics. I like, I like science. I like physics. If you don't know that, then I don't know the fuck you think you're talking to, son. Like you should know that's about me by now. The fuck you think you're talking to? Anyway, so that's my forte is computer science. That's why I'm really good. I like production engineering. That's my job now. That's why I'm really good. I like making music or fixing robotics or editing and stuff like that because I, it's all kind of like computer science is a touch on all that stuff in a way. So, you know, it's, it's a basically the study of computers. So anything that uses a computer, I can figure it the fuck out. So, and that's the reason why I can program like C++, C Sharp, Objective-C, JavaScript, HTML. Like I can program in all these languages. That's my talent. That's what computer science teaches you how to do. It gave me the basic foundation and I built it up. But like I said, about, you know, over 9,000 rejected emails. Okay. And all I was trying to do was get a stable job in my career field. I wanted to be a programmer for a long time and make video games. That was my first real big thing. Like I wanted to be a programmer and I wanted to make video games. And so I learned, I got the skill set for that, but I just couldn't get the job for it. Right. And there were times where I experimented with my resume, where I took my mom's last name and that's gotten me a lot further than my father's black name because my father's black, my mom is white, but my father's last name, and I, I've done this a lot. I applied for the same job, right? With, with the same name, but the last name is different. And I got called back when I used my mom's last name more than when I used my dad's last name. But I stuck to using my dad's last name at some point because that's who the fuck I am. That's my fucking last name. It was an experiment, but regardless of anything, I wanted my own personal experience to see if it was real or not. So um, I worked at Apple for about a year and a half and I was at Apple and, you know, I was, I was, uh, in the genius bar, you know, and they used to call us family room technicians, which is like a really stupid ass name. I don't know what, who came up with that stupid name, but, um, you know, and the one thing about Apple, and I'm telling you this right now, and there's a lot of people at Apple who sit there and go, oh, that's not true, blah, blah. Apple employs a lot of artists, musicians, sketchers, painters to fix your computers. And don't get me wrong. I believe that anyone can learn how to fix a computer. But if you got somebody who's actually trained and knows how a computer works in and out, like myself and like three other people who had an app at the time who actually knew what the fuck to do with a computer broke down and you don't allow them to use those skills, you're a stupid ass company at that point. That's it. And there were a lot of times where like a lot of these MacBooks and a lot of these iPhones would come back broken. Like they get fixed, go back out, come back broken because they did a spotty ass job in fixing them. And I'm not going to drop any names, but let's be real. If you would have gave me the opportunity to fix it, I would have fixed it the first right the first time, not the second time. That's it. But, you know, I digress. That's how Apple finna to do things out here. That's not how like other companies do things. But Apple's a great place to work at, but if you have a degree in anything within the sciences, it's basically saying don't expect yourself to move up because of that. So, you know, that's it. I, like I said, I know a lot of people who were there and they're great people, don't get me wrong, who are fucking artists and they're over here fixing MacBooks. And I'm like, you know, if you touch that, 
and you're not ESD down, bro, you're going to, you're going to spark it. Or like, they'll like, they'll sit there and just look at it and go, Oh, this is really bad. I'm like, you, that's fixable. Uh, so, and if you don't believe me, you can go to YouTube look up Joss Rossman. He's this uh, New York based repairman. Right. And he does all these amazing repairs on MacBooks, and he points out all the issues with the genius bar and he does it with actually like objective point of view. And then he bitches subjectively, but that's my fucking point. He'll sit there and he'll point it out. And he, this is one of the things he touches on is the fact that a lot of people who work there are not trained in doing these things they go away to cupertino for like a couple of weeks and they come back and they expect them to be good like son i have four plus years of experience fixing computers and programming them and you put other people above me whatever but i gotta rest gotta rest so that's apple but this is the theme of this real quickly because i want to point this out to you and i'm gonna keep going with this so i got nine plus nine thousand plus rejected emails right and then at apple i got put in a position where i'm clearly overqualified to be in with my skill set now at Apple, I did learn a lot of things. I learned how to deal with a lot of fucking crazy ass people there. Like I'm talking about people will come in with piss covered fucking iPhones and expect you to replace that shit for free. And you can smell that piss. Listen, my nose is a big ass. This thing is a fucking Dyson vacuum. I can smell you from kilometers and miles away, son. I be walking down the block in Japan. I be smelling the salary man's stinky ass on the arms and I be smelling the ramen from around the corner. That's how good my sense of smell is with these big ass vacuum ass nostrils, okay? So I can smell that piss from outside the family room. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, that's a homeless person. We got a piss high phone. And little behold, lady comes in with a little baggie, little baggie. Like I dropped it in water. It's like you dropped it in the toilet bowl because you were texting. And when you got up, you tried to wipe your vagina with an iPhone and throw it in there thinking it was toilet paper. That's what fucking happened. But, you know, that's that shit. And so, you know, we don't replace those, by the way. Never drop your iPhone. Never go to an Apple store and say you dropped it in the toilet bowl because that's considered, um, you know, hazardous waste. And we can reject, they will type we, I'm still saying we, they can reject you from getting a repair because your phone was dropped in a way. So replace it for you, but they will not try to repair it. They will not try to recover the data. And sometimes they won't even try to touch it. Okay. That, they'll just tell you buy a new one because you dropped in hazardous waste. And like I said, there'll be some questionable shit that come into the fucking Apple store when I was working there. Okay. Some, some real questionable shit. But, you know, you know, I was overqualified for the position and Apple taught me a lot of things of how to deal with people on a social level. But my skill set was just being, you know, kind of shitted on. And then I had a back and forth with some of the managers. OK, because I believed X, Y, Z. They believe uh, CBD. And so we just didn't see an agreement. And in short, you know, one of the managers, when I sat there and I gave my opinion to a couple of coworkers, uh, one of the managers basically told me like, you know, it, that type of behavior kind of seems like it's going to cause a, a mistrust in the managers. It was like a polite way of telling me, shut the fuck up. And so I made a decision to dip. That's it. I made a decision to dip and I left Apple. Okay. And if, whenever someone asks me, I'm very open about it. I left because there were really poor managers there. One was a racist. One was a, clearly a sexist. And he made it clear that he was sexist and he still worked. I think he still worked at Apple. I wasn't sure if it was because of his height or because of his life, but he was clearly a sexist. And he said some really homophobic stuff on the actual Apple floor that we can hear. Okay. And other ones had a power, had a power vacuum struggle going on. They wanted to control the store and all stuff like that. Like one of the best managers there was Dara. And I, I, took, I remember his name, Dara. He was, he was an Apple fanboy. He loved Apple beyond belief, but they ousted him. And like, there were rumors going around about what he, something about he slept with one of the coworkers or something like that. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true because I, I'm, I'm no offense if he ever listens to this no offense to him i don't think he was that much of a 
of a ladies' man, and he was a very professional. So his persona and his just who he was didn't fit the criteria. But that's what they said is that he had a sexual relationship with one of the employees, and so they got rid of him. I don't believe that at all. And I still don't believe that to this day. They got rid of him because he had a higher standard of Apple. He had a higher standard of Apple belief. And he wanted to make sure that the Apple store at Grand Central stayed, you know, good. And that's why I used to work. I used to work at the Grand Central Apple store. He wanted to make sure that it stayed what he believed Apple standard was. And some people didn't like that. So they got rid of him. And like I said, there were some managers there who were fantastic. Some of them were fantastic. They were great leadership. But then there still were a bunch who just did not belong there. And so, but those are the ones that I had to deal with on a daily basis. So I left because I'm not going to put myself in a position where I got to deal with these people over and over and over again. And I joined and I ended up working at a company called, um, well, actually, I ended up getting, um, working with a recruiter and the recruiter recruited me into this company for a bit, right? And basically, it was an outsourced company. I worked for the recruitment company, but they put me in locations for me to work. So then I went from there to BMP Paribas. And that's like a investment firm. Great. You know, it's an investment firm. It's not really that much crazy. And it was just mainly some IT stuff, but that was contract based. And I don't know if anyone knows how New York City works, but when con- when they say you're a contract, they go, you usually go, oh, this is a contract, but you know, it has a, it has an ability to become permanent. And it's like, okay. So that, what that means is that we want you to stay until the contract finishes because you ain't going to get the job no matter how hard you try. Or in a very rare case, like 1% or 0.5%, you will get the job. And then what ends up happening is, um, your stay, but what's going to end up happening really is that you're going to not, when they're done with the contract, contract's out, we're going to put you somewhere else. That's what it means. And, you know, sometimes it's not that bad. You get a lot of skill sets when working at different companies, especially if you don't like the company you work at, but at the same time, it's not stable, right? So I worked for this, the, this recruitment company and I, you know, I, for being prepared about it, it was about a year, contract was up and I went on to uh, NBC Universal, right? Now, NBC Universal, again, great company. And this is where I think I learned the most from my boss there because his work actor was just really, really good. And he was a chill guy. You know, he's a bit stiff. He was a stiffler, but he was he was a chill guy. Like, all, he was a really chill guy. You know, he did karate and he trained himself and he was really buff. And I'm like, I'm not sure how old he is. I think he was in his 50s, but he looks really good for like a 50-year-old dude, right? But there was even one point where like even there, like, you know, just for my, I come in one day to go to work and then I get pulled into a median and like my contract is up. We're letting you go. And there were so many things going around. I'm like, okay, well, did I work badly and stuff like that? And I asked these things and they didn't say I worked badly. So it's like, okay, did I piss off a VIP? Because I got a story for you in a second for that one. Right. And they didn't say anything about it. And I was just like, okay, so what was the reason why? And it was just the consolidating. And consolidation is a way of saying either, like I said, it's either A, you piss off a VIP, B, you didn't do exactly what they want to do. I mean, that you didn't jump, hop, skip and go a thousand miles over what they wanted you to do. Or, or C, you are just temporarily in a throw you out. Like one of the things that, I'll, I'll say this at the end for that one though. And then I went on to Pernod Ricard. Now Pernod Ricard, great boss, great team, totally chill people. I like them a lot, right? Um, but with Pernod Ricard, you know, again, I, I was there for a while. It was, it was a great experience and stuff like that. I, I learned a lot, but Pernod Ricard is a very old school way of structuring things. You know, I was being trained up. And I was learning to do things over and over again. And, you know, sometimes I would watch, I'm not going to say I'm perfect because sometimes I would sit there and just watch YouTube or just listen to things while I'm working because like, you know, I, I, it's really hard when you, when, you know, one of the common things that you have with dyslexia is ADHD, right? And, you know, like back then I wasn't properly diagnosed with ADHD. And so like, I didn't really know that I had it, but I knew that it was really hard for me to focus on one thing at a time. So any type of background noise, whether it's music or something like that, it would make it really easy for me to do my job. Okay. But Panard Car was not an environment where, 
right? You you can do those type of things. Like, you know, so you just work there, you did your job. And when I was let go, this conversation was very interesting. The, the feedback that I got was like, you're a great worker. You're, you're fantastic at your job. You're really good. Uh, you just should just learn to smile a little bit more, you know, try to be a little bit more personable. And to me, I'm like, you know, let me, let me, let me phrase that in a certain way. If you're a woman, that means show some fucking leg and you keep your job, basically. Kiss ass and you keep your job. And so for me, I took that a kind of a weird way. You know, for me, it was just like, are you, are you, are you serious right now? Okay. Okay. Not, all right. Whatever. And so after that, I did a bunch of ob jobs and then I got to work at Disney Theoretical Group. But Theoretical Group was like a short-term three-month contract. That was it. There was nothing I can do about that one. And so, you know, this is what's happening all in New York. And this is over about give or take about 10 years from 18 to 27, 28, right? Before I decided to come to Japan. And, um, you know, I worked really hard. Okay. Whenever they tell me to do a job, I did it. If I didn't know how to do it, Apple teaches you. I don't know. Let's go find out. Right. That's something that Apple teaches you. Um, I applied for so many jobs, even after like, you know, when I had the job, I updated my resume instantly and I had it there just in case I was ready. And I was always constantly looking. It's a habit I still have now that I still do now, but I'm trying to like slow it down a little bit. Right. And at the same time, I still doing all these things. So like a film thingy, I'm doing like um, photography, I'm drawing, I'm making music. I'm doing all these things inside of me working. So like legitimately, I got no sleep. I got no sleep whatsoever i slept like average like four hours a day that's just how, that's just my sleeping thing because i couldn't sleep that well you know and then even after that i got no sleep and you know and, and the thing about it and i'm bringing this up real quickly right is that it 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 affected me in a way it actually affected me in a big big way i was like drowning in my own depression and nobody actually noticed that shit because i knew how to cover it up so well nobody knew that shit at the time none of my friends at the time um not my girlfriend at the time not my family at the time not my friends at the time none of these people knew what was wrong with me at that time okay they just knew that i'm michael i'm loud i'm arrogant i'm ready to fight and argue with everybody i have a really self-righteous sense of you but when i got by myself and i'm sitting there by myself right or even when i'm with people my brain is constantly ticking i'm counting money how much money do i have left do i have enough for food do i have enough for this why can't i get this job am i not doing good enough what skill set do i lack do i need to learn this do i need to learn that do i need i legitimately taught myself an entire programming language in three days to do an interview Okay, Swift, Apple Swift. I can program in Apple Swift because I wanted to get a job as a Swift developer when it first came out, right? And I taught myself this language in three days. And I'm telling you right now, I can still program in the language, okay? I taught myself Unity. Unity is another game engine. I taught myself that shit in a week. I had an interview a week out. And I said, like, I need to learn Unity. So I spent 10 to like 12 hours a day and boot camp that shit to learn how it worked. And I memorized how it worked. And I knew how to do everything. Even in the interview, they were surprised how much knowledge I had. And I sat there. And so the same thing. Unreal Engine, same thing. Blender, same thing. Photoshop, same damn thing. I did these things. I did so much. Like, uh, to be honest, I don't really know how much, but I remember never stop working for a single second, whether it was my real job or what I was on the grind, right? And I kept losing. To me, and I say losing because I didn't get a stable job. I wasn't paying off my debt well enough. I wasn't paying back the people that I owed. I was always hungry. I always had to borrow. I always had to use a credit card. I was always falling behind. I couldn't help my mom. I couldn't do this. And I just couldn't get anything done the way I wanted to get done. I kept on losing. And that's what I call it. It's losing to me. Right. And I just couldn't figure it out. 
at that time, right? And it beat me down. It beat me down. There were times where any little thing would tick me off and make me angry. There were times where I just sat there sad. I didn't want to do anything. There were times where I just thought it would be easier just to jump off a fucking roof and kill myself. And there were times when I had the opportunity to. There were times when I went through all these mindsets and just trying to figure out what am I not doing right at all. And that's something that I realized that, you know, at that time, in that time span throughout my life, going from a really shitty predicament to another shitty predicament for close to 28 years. And I say from the time I was born to the time I hit 28, it was shitty predicament after shitty predicament after shitty predicament. Okay. And that's just what it was. And I thought like maybe, just maybe I have a string of bad luck, right? just a string of bad luck. Maybe that's what it is. My entire life is going to be bad luck after bad luck after bad luck just because of who I was born to. Okay. Just because of who I was born to. And that's being, you know, like I said, my dad is black. So that's part of the reason why I might be struggling. The fact that my mom was a teenage, um, was a teenager when she had us. The fact that when a white woman falls in love with a black man, they get punished from it by the young white community. So that shit, bad shit happens to them. Okay. And, you know, I'm just sitting there thinking about like, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Like, is it my attitude? Is my personality? And I lost, I lost complete confidence and sight in myself. And like, until this day, I still sometimes struggle with my own self-doubt, right? And I used to look in the mirror and I used to sit there and say, you're just a piece of shit person. I used to say that shit all the time. I remember that to this day. Like, that was one of the reasons why I never liked having photos taken of me was because when I look back at those photos, I just saw a fucking loser, a piece of shit, someone who just couldn't do anything. And that's why I made weird faces in photos because it was just sitting there to make a weird face so that people don't, so I don't think about that when I look at those photos so that people don't see that there's anything wrong. You know, and that's what I, that's the same thing I do now, but it's, it's different reasons for it now. And so, you know, I'm, I'm sharing this with you because again, I've noticed that my life was shitty. Okay. But everyone has different circumstances that they go through. Everyone does. And it's not a pissing concept of who struggles more. Okay. Because at the end of the day, I struggle more than you motherfuckers. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, but it's not so much an idea of who struggles more. Okay. It's not a pissing concept of struggle. That should never be something that we, we debate about. Okay. It, it, it should be more of a, we shouldn't have these problems type thing, but how do we solve, how do we go through the solution? And so, you know, I realized something after I got away from that predicament. So, you know, one thing is that many people say is like, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. Right. And, you know, it's, it's a great definition because it is true. And that's what I believed at some point. I was like, you know, maybe I'm just insane because I keep doing the same thing over and over again. I'm not getting a different outcome. Over 9,000 rejections, uh, four jobs, four or five jobs. One job I couldn't keep because it's just asshole managers. But the other four jobs that I have, you know, BNP, um, NBC, Bernard, and Disney, none of them wanted me, right? I couldn't get any of the jobs I wanted, no matter how many skill sets I had, which I have a lot of skill sets. So people sit there and go, wow, why, do you, why are you able to do so many things? And I'll tell you right now, it was because I was fucking poor. Okay. I was fucking poor and I need to be able to do everything in order to change my circumstances. There was no, so there was no, oh, then something like, I, I don't think a lot of people here in Japan understand either, but there was no option of let me pick one thing and obsess over this one skill. When you're poor, especially in New York, you need to be able to do everything and be a master of everything. There is no, oh, you're a jack of all trade, master of none. It's like, no, you are a master of all trades if you want to feed yourself tomorrow. There's no choice. If you cannot master every single skill set that comes across to you, you will be a failure and you'll never get anywhere. And that's how it is growing up in New York, especially when you're like super duper, like 
poor. It's it's extreme fucking fight to get the fuck out. Okay, and so you know after about a year and a half of debating, I decided to to change uh, the way I'm doing things. I decided to take a chance. You know somewhere else the choice could have been completely different i could have went through this process of like just staying where i was and trying a different way and it could have worked out but i took a chance of trying somewhere else and to be honest it it didn't really work out in the beginning either when i first came to japan like you know the first job I had was the same type of job I had back in New York City. Well, second job I had, it was the same type of job I had back in New York City. First job I had was at Nova. Okay. And it was like, I was like, let me try a different skill set. Let me go into teaching. You know, people always say, Michael, you're really good at explaining things. Why don't you do some teaching? So I was like, all right, I'll give teaching a shot. I hated it. I, I hated it. There's nothing wrong with the students. I just did not like working at Nova. So I just left. I think it was only a month I worked and I left. I was like, no, I'm good. I'm going to go for IT engineering, like I knew that that was gonna. I I didn't think it was gonna be bad. Cause I was actually interested because I used to work at Children's Aid Society for a bit, like at the after school program, and I would teach children. I generally enjoyed teaching those children. I thought, you know, maybe, you know, because you you see a lot of times, you know, a lot of people go into teaching and helping kids out and do stuff like that because, you know, they they become lost and they just want to see a different outcome in life. And you know, working around children generally will help you be feel a little bit better about yourself, right? But I just did not enjoy working there. And for anyone else, you know, there's not saying that working at all Novas is bad. It's me personally, I just did not enjoy working there. I was like, bah. And so I, I got a job at um, Deutsche Bank, which is similar to BNP Paribas and Pernod Ricard. And I worked there as an AV, um, as an AV support. Right. And, and I, you know, I generally, in, I enjoyed it. You know, I had some great coworkers. It was an interesting environment. I always had to wear a suit, which was completely different than what I was used to. Like in New York, you just have to wear a nice shirt and sometimes some khaki. Well, NBC, I had to wear a button down and, and khakis, but um, every other job is like, you can just try to dress besides Apple. You had to wear like the Apple shirt, but every other job was kind of like, you can just dress down as long as you look presentable and nice and you're not coming to the work with a thong. Right. But here I had to dress in a salary man suit. So I was wearing a suit every single day for close to like two years right and even in the summer that is that is brutal i'm sorry that is brutal in the summer i never came to work in a like t-shirt and jeans never once i was always there in a suit and sometimes i wouldn't come with a tie and i had super long hair like at that time i was like down here so i looked like i just came out of michael jackson music video right a jackson five minutes like like hey man yeah like that type of shit and i had this suit on so i would wear it and stuff like that and you know and i'm gonna i'm like so i'm funny little story so i didn't know how to hem and i'm telling you this is how resourceful i am i didn't know how to hem a pair of suit pants right so you know like the 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 you know, clothing glue, like the regular glue you use for a piece of paper and shit. I folded the pants up, right? And I taped them where I wanted them to be folded up. And then I glued the bottom of the pants inward so it looks like they were hemmed. And no lie, that shit held up. That shit held up for two years straight. I'm not gonna lie. That was the most creative shit I ever thought about. I was like, let me just put some glue here because I can't sew this shit. Put some glue there. And as long as you don't put too much glue, right? You, you they won't they won't see like the glue outline on the opposite side. But I put I put glue there to hold the shit in place and it worked. It worked really fucking well. I was like, wow, okay, that's a solution. Right? But um, yeah, so you know, I worked there and then you know, I I um, they were consolidating again because, you know, they had their own thing going on. And then I was like in this kind of predicament, right? I'm sitting there thinking like, fuck, here we are again. I'm back in this predicament, right? And so I gave myself an ultimatum was to try one more time, right? And, and if I fail, 
I go home and I try again when I get home. But at least I'm home. I'm with family. I'm with friends. And I'll feel a lot better about myself. Or like, you know, I just stick it out here and just get another job regardless if I try or fail and just see what it goes. And so I apply for two jobs at a time, right? One of the places I currently work. And, you know, I'm not going to say that on this one because, you know, it's my current job. If you know me, you know. If you don't know me, you don't know. Right? But, um, you know, and and... There was two places and I and I got, you know, the first one I got real quickly. I'm like, wow, these guys are great. They seem like fantastic people, but the pay is it's the pay is too low. I won't be able to have a stable living here. I'm not going to have a lot of money. What am I going to do? Right. And so I sat there for like two days, just tired. Like my face was exhausted. I just kept on trying, kept on trying for so many years, so many fucking years. I was 29. I tried for so many years. I'm just like, I'm tired. I just want to go home. Right. And then the Wednesday came and like, I'm just sitting there like, you know, I'm going to go outside and enjoy my life. Le- legitimately, I was saying that like, I'm probably going to have to take the job because I have got money, but I'm going to enjoy this little bit of time that I have here just to myself and go outside and walk around and do whatever I can, right? Just to feel better. And then what ended up happening was I got that second car call for the job that I have now. I did not expect to get it, right? I did not expect to land it at all, but I got it. Even with limited Japanese, I can't speak Japanese at the time either, but I got it. I got that job. And, you know, that job has been fantastic to me. Not only is the pay really good, I was, I'm able to pay off all my debts. Um, I, I can feed myself. I have no struggles. You know, the job is, is pretty balanced for the most part. You know, the team is great. They come from all parts of, along the world. And, and, and you know, we, we, I get to do a lot of things that I love to do now. Like I have a passion for, and it's taught me something. And it's, and you know, it's, it's a long winded story and I'm sharing here guys, but it, it taught me something about the situation of my life. You know, I, I, you know, I went through all these years of suffering over and over and over again. Right. And failing over and over again to finally get something like, you know, that, that I generally actually had an interest in doing like a passion for doing. Right. And, you know, it was, it wasn't easy. It sucked. It sucked the whole fucking way. Like, like I said, I hated myself, but then I landed this job and I started to work there and I was in a position where money was no longer an option. I didn't have to worry about money no more. I didn't have to worry about it like I used to. I didn't have to worry about feeding myself or this or that, or this or that. It, it clicked in my head that, you know, holy shit, I, I'm successful, Right. And it, the money was gone. All these other things were gone, and all these trouble was gone. And let me let me sit there for these many years, sitting down and having this conversation with myself. Like, what did it all mean? What did I all go through at that time, right? And why did I have to struggle and stuff like that for all this time? Now I don't know why I had to struggle and go through all this shit. America's a fucked up place, to be honest, and it's extremely hard if you're not really well off to do anything with your life. Okay, but at the same time. All that hard work and suffering has given me a different outlook than most people out there. It's given me a more appreciative outlook for where I stand. It's given me a more arrogant outlook because I'm like, bitch, I went from eating fucking Wonder Bread, a slice of Wonder Bread for fucking breakfast, lunch, and dinner to fucking ordering Uber Eats every goddamn day because I'm too fucking lazy to cook, okay? And Uber Eats in Japan, it's like fucking Tokyo. That shit is not cheap. That should be racking up to like $30 a fucking meal. That shit is not cheap. But the point is, I went from Wonder Bread every day to fucking eating Uber Eats any way I want. I went from like having to count my pennies, right? 
to not even remembering how much I have in my savings right now. I went from having to save up for two or three years to take a single fucking trip outside of America to going, I need to go home real quickly to do some shit and being able to afford that, being able to afford it unlike I could before. Like if I want to go out and buy some clothes, I just wait for my paycheck and go out and buy some clothes and that doesn't even put a dent in my amount in my in my monthly paycheck. And that's something that's nice to have. That's a nice feeling to have. But, you know, it, it's it's something that like, Again, I appreciate a lot, but it's something that made me realize and like, you know, that the only reason why I got this job is because this was actually something that I was passionate about. You know, it's it's it's, an, it's definitely an engineering job and I'm an engineer. Right. But it's not like IT in a sense where I'm fixing your computer. It's not like engineering in a sense where I'm like fixing your computer. It's like production engineering. So I get to mix audio music and, and edit tracks and we get to set up stages and, and we get to like have these like concerts or we get to have like these these big conferences or we get to sometimes work with like news organizations and TV shows and stuff like that. And it's like, this was something that I was passionate about when I was younger, but I gave up on it because I didn't have the means to do it. It's something I'm doing now as my passion. And, you know, it's something that I'm still passionate about to this day. You know, I want to keep expanding what I want to keep growing with it. I want to keep going further with it beyond where I'm going right now. But I didn't realize that I didn't get it until it was my passion. Once I got, once I successfully got into my passion is when my life got so much better. And, you know, this is the thing that I want to share with everyone else and stuff like that. And, you know, again, when I was talking about Jordan Peterson and Sean King, it's like, you know, they're leaders. They give you the type of leadership to tell you, you know, do these things in your life, do this, and your life would be better. And I I like them, Elisha, but they give you this one thing that I don't believe in no more. And the fact is that hard work will make, if you work hard, you'll be successful. No, that is total, that is total shit. That is, that is total shit. Okay. I'm gonna be honest. It doesn't matter if you work hard or not. Okay. It matters if you work smart. It doesn't matter if you work hard. It matters if you work smart. I don't know anyone who works two or three jobs that's successful. They're working extremely hard and they'd be working extremely hard for years, but they're not successful. They're still struggling, right? They're still doing all these things. And some of them might get out of that struggle, but a lot of them do not. Okay. And, and sure, that's the thing. They work for money. Okay. They work for money to survive. They don't make their money work for them. So a lot of times they don't take that extra little bit of money and invest it. They don't take that extra little bit of money and put it towards a skill or a talent that they're passionate about. What they do is all that money goes to their rent. All that money goes to their livelihood. And don't get me wrong. Again, in America, we exploit people for these things all the time to where it's really hard to get out of poverty because the system is set up to make sure you stay in poverty. America is built on poor people. It's built on enslavement and it's built on poverty. Okay. But you can also exploit that system that's trying to exploit you and backfire. Prime example, GME, okay? A bunch of big corporations were trying to short GameStop and trying to make, you know, get more money off of GameStop and a bunch of people online caught them and what they did was they pumped a lot of fucking money into GameStop and that short became a short squeeze. And what ended up happening was those companies almost went bankrupt. And that's what they do professionally. They short companies to make more money. And what happened is a bunch of known people, they short squeeze. And now we got a bunch of new millionaires out there because they short squeeze GameStop and they got the fuck out when they had the opportunity. And that's the shit right there. They used the system that was set up to exploit them and exploited the actual system itself. And so that's the thing right there. So like I said, I've never seen somebody who has two or three jobs ever, you know, um, ever 
be successful because they're working two or three jobs. And that's the thing. Like I said, it's not about working hard. It's about working smart. And one of the things that I want to say to everybody here is like, you really need to like work smart, but you also need to be passionate about what you're working towards. So, you know, this is saying, and you hear it all the time. It's like, do what you love and the money will come. And in the reality, that is entirely true, actually. Because when you look at anyone who's famous, when you look at anyone who's successful, they're not successful because they woke up and said, I want to make money, therefore I'm going to do this job. They woke up and said, I want to do this job because I love it, therefore one day it'll make me money. They That's what they did. And what ended up happening was they their jobs make them money. They do what they love, right? And they make money off it. Look at all the NBA players. Look at LeBron James, okay? He's one of the oldest NBA players in like, in my current generation, I think he's going to be pushing 40 soon and he's still playing ball because that's what he loves. This man could retire right now and still like and do nothing for like the next 30, 40, 50 years. And that would not make a dent in the amount of money that he has right now. But he loves playing ball. He loved, that's his passion. And his passion made him money because he focused on his passion and not on the money. If you look at other fucking people too, right? Like Tom Brady, he's another one. Tom Brady got seven rings. This man can fucking retire. He got seven rings. He can retire now. But guess what? He's still playing because he wants to. He loves it. If you want to go to like esports, look at Faker. Faker is one of the best esports players in the world. He's passionate about winning. He's passionate about being the best. He's passionate about the competition. The money comes after. And that's the thing. Like, I've noticed that a lot of people, especially when it comes to this topic, you know, they, again, we all have our own struggles. We all have our own problems, but we are prioritizing the wrong things in order to be successful. We're over here focusing on the money. And don't get me wrong. Like I said, I, I didn't want to say this without giving people like a guideline about my life. I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to skip meals to save a fucking couple of dollars because you didn't have enough. Okay. I mean, anyone who knows me knows that for like at least 10 years straight, I fucking ate beef and broccoli and white rice, which is like a four, well, in the Bronx, it's just like 425. And I ate that shit for breakfast, lunch, and dinner because that's a $15 meal right there. And that $15 like will last me like, what I reference, I would skip lunch. And I usually skip lunch and I usually skip breakfast. So I actually only ate once a day. And at one point it became twice a day where I'll have like a bacon, egg, and cheese in the morning. And then at night I'll have that um, white rice, beef, and broccoli. And I'll eat that shit. But that's under $10 a day. In a week, that's $70. In a month, you're looking about $240. If I'm getting paid $500 a month, I already saved half my paycheck right there alone. But like if you get paid $2,000 a month, that's even crazier. Like I made, I saved. Like people don't realize I only eat, I still to this day, I only eat certain things. But that's the thing. You know, I know what it's like to be there. I know what it's like to like have that mentality where I need to make money. I can't survive without money. But take it from someone who is in your shoes. Don't focus on the money. Focus on your passion. Focus on your passion. Focus on what you love. Focus on what you want to do. Like if you if you don't have the tools, then try to still practice in a way. Become creative. If you want to be a musician and play piano, you want to become like a famous piano player, right? Then what do you do? Well, if you don't got a piano right now, you get a piece of paper, you draw out the 88 keys, and you mentally play in your head. Okay? Train yourself. Mentally play in your head. So when you get that fucking piano, you're still a thousand steps ahead. Don't wait for the tool in order to be able to build up the craft. Build up the craft so when you get the tool, you're already set to go. Okay? It's the same thing. Like, you know, you don't... You don't like wait. You don't like wait until you get home to just like, you know, pick up a skill or pick up a talent. You go to like a library, you start reading up on it, you start to study up on it, and then you go, you know what? I want to learn how to cook. So I'm going to go buy a book and do all stuff like that. But even before that, you would, you would test in the water. It's like, oh, I want to try this. Oh, I want to try this. You know what? I, I, this would be better if I did this. You already started testing the waters. You went out that cookbook. And then when you got that cookbook, you got better. That's the thing. 
start where you can start, but start on your passion and don't wait until tomorrow or until next day. Do it any way you possibly can. Okay. If you want to dance, dance at home. Okay. Dance at home as much as you can to practice. So when you get that opportunity to go outside and dance for like a big corporation, you're going to be good. Ain't nobody going to stop you. Okay. If you want to be a comedian, make comedy sketches in the fucking mirror. Write them down in a notebook, make comedy sketches in the mirror. Eminem was a game of rapper because he used to sit there and write in fucking books. Every single rapper nowadays who's famous, they wrote that shit in books, in notebooks. And then they got good. Megan Thee Stallion, her bars are fucking amazing. She typed that shit in the fucking iPhone. Okay. But they all started focusing on their passion before anything else. And I know a lot of people go, oh, you know, what about the child stars and stuff like that? It's like, well, let's look at Lindsay Lohan. She's a child star and she went through a whole lot of shit in her life. They made her a child star. And if you look at like a lot of people who are child stars, they go through a lot of shit in their lives. They go through a lot of struggles when they become actors and stuff like that. Why? Because they didn't, they, that wasn't, I guess that wasn't their passion. But those who are passionate about it, they're phenomenal. They're great. Denzel Washington is a passionate actor and he's fucking great. Have you seen Training Day? King Kong ain't got nothing on me that's fucking training day shit right there that dancer watching is he's everything he touches is gold okay leonardo DiCaprio. everything he touches is prime sometimes it's silver but it's usually gold okay that's the thing because they're passionate about it they love what they do even tom cruise was out of his fucking mind he loves what he do that's why he yell at people on set when they do fucking when they get fucking covid and stuff like that and that's not the same thing you look at everyone else you look at beyonce you look at jay-z you look at dr dre you look at ice cube ice t look at all these people they do what they love to do and that's why they made it to the point where they're famous about it that's where they made it any artist who draws online they didn't just start going out of nowhere and then was like oh you know what i need a platform or something like that no they started drawing first they drew and 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 then what ended up happening they got famous people start to like their drawings people start to love their art and i'm saying this because i just want people to understand do your passion son Stop fucking focusing on the money all the time. Stop focusing on this skill set or that skill set. Just do what you love to do. You'll get there. Just start. You'll get there. Trust me. It's hard now. And I'm being honest. It was hard for me back then. I sat there and listen, I'm a smart motherfucker. I don't say that all the time. I came up with so many different ways to try to do things and try to get a job, but I didn't get it. And I didn't get it until I switched it up and just said, you know what? I want to do what I'm passionate about. Something that I like. And I got rewarded by the fucking universe for doing that. And it made me realize, even now when I sit here and think about it, it's like, you know what? I'm more active with my photography when I'm doing it, when I when I do it the way I love to do it. I'm more active with the podcast. I'm more active with writing. I'm more active with drawing when I'm doing the things that I love to do because I love to do them, not because they make me money. And, you know, I get better faster. I get, I appreciate what I do a lot more because I'm doing it because I love them. And, you know, one day they might make me money. One day they won't. But like, well, actually, no, I don't believe that because I believe one day they will make me money. If I'm doing my passion, I'm getting good at it. One day it will make me money. I'm going to keep doing my passion and, and eventually I'm going to hit my unique style and people are just going to look at it and go, wow, that's really nice. We like you. We like what you do. And they're going to feel my passion. They're going to feel my love and my artwork and stuff like that. And so that's, that's my message with this one. It's like, you know what? I was there. I know how you feel. Okay. I know how it feels to be down and out. I know how it feels to struggle. I know how it feels to doubt yourself, to hate yourself, but I'm here to tell you, okay, you can do it. I did it. You can do it. Anybody can do it. And like I said, in the beginning, I mentioned Jordan Peterson and Sean King because I realized that there are a lot of people who they go to these people because they need that guidance in order for them to find out what to do with their lives, to do with themselves, to get out of that rut. But I'm telling you right now, those people, they can give you some information. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's the conversation between you and yourself. And the conversation between you and yourself comes down to one thing. 
are we going to do this or aren't we going to do this? And I'm letting you know right now, everybody in the world is waiting for you to do something. So why aren't you doing it? Anyway, that's my podcast for today. Uh, You know, I hope that this gets you a little bit more motivated to do more in your life. I hope that you chase your passion undoubtedly and you're brave about it. And, you know, even if it's not, I hope that I've given you a little bit more motivation to listen to yourself a little bit more and to chase your dreams. Okay. As someone who, like I said, was there, who was struggling, who was hungry and who who went through all the shit and you sleep on the MTA train with my family, stuff like that, who was as hungry as you, you can do it. And I'm waiting for you on the other side. Okay. So like always, take care of yourself, wash your hands, clean your balls, enjoy the sunset and chase your dreams. Because, you know, a dream is only a dream until you wake up and then you realize that's reality. 